Alrighty, welcome to the My Age Podcast, a podcast that brings you conversations with different people from all walks of life, using music to plot a map from their early years to how they got to where they are now. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Oh, it's getting a bit warm, isn't it? If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, um, and if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, I guess it's getting fucking cold. Uh, yeah, so that's that. That's my social commentary for the week, or for the fortnight anyhow. Um... Thank you. If it's your first time for checking this out, thank you for checking it out. If it's your 40, what are we up to? 41st, I think. 41st episode. Then look look at you. Look at us. We've made it this far. And there's still so much more to come. Um, yeah, so again, thank you. And look, if you're, you know, I'll just lay it out there now. If you're into supporting the cause, uh, feel free to go to paypal.me slash myagepodcast.com. Send us a buck, send us two, keep the keep the ship afloat, help help a brother out. Or alternatively, part of me, you can do um, the Patreon thing, which is two dollars fifty a month. You know, it's a dollar twenty-five an episode, which is you know cheap as chips. Uh, Patreon.com, literally cheap as chips. Patreon.com/slash/myagepodcast. Uh, you can do the damn thing there. Uh, what else is going on? Nothing too exciting. Um, this is my second last proper episode of 2019. Uh, I've got one more to go, which will come out at the end of November. And then during December, I'll do what I did last year, which was a couple of episodes of basically, you know, the the best of the year musically. So a couple of different categories. Um, I've kind of changed things up a tad this year by basically... You know, I've actually I'm actually speaking to people from said or not and not all bands, but you know, speaking to people from a couple of bands to get the inside goss, add context to their release and that kind of thing. So that's a bit exciting. Episode 42, Hobbity Hoy Records' very own Tom Majerchek. Uh, fantastic chat, really wild selection of song, wild selection of songs as they always are. But this one, you know, there's I'm. The only, the only thing I'm not surprised about is that I w- wasn't surprised, if that makes sense. Like, I knew going into it that I'd have, that I'd be blown away with the song selection and completely surprised by the song selection. And this episode does not fail in that. The songs are unbelievable. Um, I'm sure you'll enjoy them. Um, no special song this week, like, you know, because I'm doing... My Age Podcast, episode 41, and with me today, after many, many emails back and forth, um, I've got Tom Mayerchuk from Hobbity Hoy Records, sorry, uh, based in Adelaide. Um, how you doing? G'day, John. Yeah, good. Yourself? Very good. Thank you. Very, very good. As I mentioned, it's my birthday. So, um, happy, but I'm happy, happy birthday. 30, 30 something. It all kind of stops after 35. Well, oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. There you go. So, as again, as we talked about, you've listened to a couple of episodes. So, I guess you, you kind of know how it rolls out. Like, tell us about your parents. Yeah. Um, so my parents, like a lot of people's parents, are divorced now. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. But, uh, yeah, pretty pretty typical uh, environment growing up, middle-class family, grew up in Melbourne, um, moved to Adelaide about nine years ago now. Um, but, but, yeah, spent my first 20-odd years in, in, in Melbourne. Uh, oldest of three children yep. so a younger brother younger sister 
Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, my dad was, uh, the son of, uh, two war immigrants from Poland. So they had a pretty, pretty rough upbringing, fleeing yeah. uh, a German work camp. <laughs> so that, that kind of played on, uh, played on or influenced how he, how he saw the world and how, uh, how, how we sort of grew up. And, I can imagine, um, yeah. I guess, yeah, yeah. Um, there's some pretty heavy stories coming from, coming from the grandparents and even from him a little bit too. Um, I guess on my mum's side, uh, typical Irish Catholic Australian kind of upbringing. Um, and yeah, both, um, both, uh, just got to a point where, where it wasn't working and <laughs> decided yeah. to call it a day, I suppose. Was your, was your, um, father born here or did, did he? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they're both, they were both born here. Uh, my father's, sister was born on the boat on the way over here. Wow. Which, okay. Yeah. So, um, four month journey back then, uh, three to four months depending. Wow. Um, and yeah, so that's there not are a lot fathomable of these days, like that kind of insane, yeah. right? Mm. Yeah. And when you look geographically where sort of central Western Europe is, uh, compared to Australia on the map, it's yeah. just, it's just bonkers. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of babies that were, uh, that were conceived and, 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 and born on that boat on the way over. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. the conditions would have been fantastic though either. So like it's pretty Probably amazing not, that she hey. yeah, made it all the way. Yeah, but, but coming from a from a from a I guess forced labor, uh, a boat would have probably seemed pretty oh. pretty special. Yeah, you're you're on the love boat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a way, right? Yeah. Um but yeah, it's it's um it's 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 quite quite dark actually because uh when when a lot of the european migrants came over particularly in that early period a lot of the men weren't released uh i guess into 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 australian society straight away they were they were in what were essentially um detention centers uh just the men yeah, yeah, okay. um, and they were they were held for for some sometimes up to about three months, which is what happened with my grandfather. So uh, my grandmother and and her then children um, were were living with 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 her with her uncle and uh, some distant relatives who had already come to Australia. But uh, her husband, my my grandfather, um, was 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 kept under observation, I suppose, um, along with a lot of other. European men uh, for 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 a period of three months. So it's um it's kind of one of the one of the darker things that you don't really hear about too much. Yeah. Um, but then sort of moved into uh, what was then called public works, which is essentially um just government uh basic basic labour um okay. and was working on um just yeah, very very basic manual labour stuff. But um a lot of them ended up doing uh the snowy mountain um hydro scheme yep, scheme um, yeah. and yeah and, and a lot of big infrastructure projects uh so he got roped into that and uh i think it was i want to say a, a full year but uh it might have been more um where they essentially had a commitment that they had to work those jobs before before they could um as part of their immigration so okay. before they could um yeah so he was he was somewhat separated, well not somewhat, he was separated from 
from his from his family um, after after just coming over here and just getting released from from um, from the detention center. So crazy crazy upbringing and still yeah. and still very appreciative um, and still very very happy to to come to Australia. So um, I mentioned before, I'm sure these things had a an impact on on my dad growing up and and the way in which he was raised um just talking about it now um the severity of it just kind of kind of hit me in a way that that i haven't thought about in a while Mm. it's yeah it's something that you know hopefully generations beyond us will never have to kind of come to terms with but i guess even saying that somewhere in the world there somewhere in the real world right now it's happening to someone else yeah which is a fucking devastating thought yeah and uh i didn't think i didn't think this podcast would get get overtly political but um you know you you look at what we're what we in australia are still doing uh under under very very different conditions and, and we're still justifying um essentially keeping people in prison yeah um in, in different ways i didn't even think of that yeah Whereas, absolutely yeah yeah so, um yeah it's it's uh it's, it's terribly sad mm. it's yeah it was never meant to it was definitely never meant to be like that i don't, don't know how we end up how we how we as a as i guess as a nation kind of ended up there right I think yeah learned the it's, lesson many times over but yeah no so was there much music going on in your, pardon me was there much music going on in your in your house at a younger age or like did did your parents play instruments or so there was there was a lot of music um but it was the same music so i've spoken to friends of mine and they've had very similar experiences where um their parents of a similar generation are playing the same music over and over again okay. yeah that was definitely our our, our experience too no, they neither played instruments um and i wouldn't say they were particularly fond of music music was just was just there but yeah. um it was the same it was the same two three albums over and over again wow. um okay. yeah <laughs> yeah um so with 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 my dad it was uh it was uh, an australian group um, no pun intended, called Daddy Cool. Which, oh, yes. Uh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, which some of your listeners might be familiar with. Yeah. That was every road trip ever, uh, every every drive it's, to, it's to Uncle and Uncle's place. Yeah, yeah. it is harsh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's in the deep recesses of my mind. I reckon I can uh, I can sing all the songs. And, so the – oh, sorry. Yeah. No, yeah, keep going. What And what other – was there was two others or one or two others? Yeah, yeah. So um, – so, on my uh, and this will this will tie into one of our later tracks, so I won't I won't I won't reveal Disclose too, too much, much now. Yep. But um, but yeah, we'll, we'll touch we'll loop back on that a bit later. Uh, but on my mum's side, um, I guess uh, when I was when I was thinking about the 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 format of your podcast and how how we needed to take a look at um, those first tracks. Um, regarding what the parents were listening to and so forth. Um, the one bit of crossover was was Crowded House. Okay. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of Crowded House. It was just the best of CD. Look, sometimes <laughs> that's all you need. Sometimes that's more yeah. than acceptable. It's the best, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's called the best <laughs> of for a reason. <laughs> yeah, regardless. Yeah. Um, 
it was um, it was the Crowded House Best of, um, and it wasn't a CD back then. Um, it was a cassette, or okay. it was a double cassette. Yep. But um, but uh, it then eventually became a CD, and um, that was the one bit of music I think that my both my parents could agree on. Yeah. So that was that was probably number two in terms of what was played over and over again. But the track that I've picked is actually one that my mum really, really enjoyed and one that uh, was played a lot uh, in our house that I didn't realise was a cover until I got a little bit older. Okay. Um, so, so the track that I've picked is uh, by a group called Fine Young, Young Cannibals. Oh, powerful uh, band. Super powerful. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the, the the track uh, is is one of their more popular ones, uh, "Suspicious Minds," which is uh, so that was that was eighty, that was mid eighties, yeah, eighty five, eighty six, yep. Um, but it was a cover of an Elvis song, an Elvis from song 69. indeed, yeah, yeah. And so, then Avail uh, went on to cover it as weird little side, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do love a good bit of Avail, yeah, absolutely. Um, I should have picked a veil in uh in, in, in the later in the later track It's, it's not it's not too late to throw an audible. It's okay, you can <laughs> throw it in there if you want. See, okay, so let's listen to so find young cannibals with the Elvis Presley cover, suspicious, suspicious minds. We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out. Because I love you too much, baby Why can't you see What you're doing to me When you don't believe What I say We can go on together With suspicious man
What a champ. So I, for some reason I thought you were – how old are you? Uh, so I'm 32. Right. You, were you – and I, please don't take this as an insult because it's definitely not. But I, I thought you you come across – I only – you know, we're not Facebook friends, data, like, you know, so I don't see your posts. But on the Hobbity Hoy records, like on the on the Instagram and the Facebook and all that kind of thing, you come across as a lot more mature. Like I had in my mind someone who was just over 40, if that makes sense. And it's, yeah, no, no, and it's not in a bad way. Like it was more in a it was more in a worldly sense as opposed to listen to this old guy kind of thing. Like it was, yeah. I just I don't know why I had that in my head. I just yeah, I just had it in my head that you were no, yeah. that's fair. So, yeah. uh, started the label when, uh, I mean, it was a very slow start, yeah. but started it when I was 19. So it kind of, kind of skews the perspective a little bit. And that's, and that's also, yeah, because I've seen the name around for so long and I, again, yeah. we can get into this later, but like, I just assume that someone, you know, you're 32 now, so it's 13 years going, starting a label in, in my mind, isn't something you do till your mid twenties. Like, People don't do too like <laughs> mid twenties kind of thing, like so. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of puts you at that, like you know, late thirties, early forties kind of thing. But yeah, anyhow, that's we'll, oh, talk, that's about, we'll talk about that soon enough. Um, so you being the older brother, how were you? How were you finding newer music and like were was music on your radar at an earlier age, or was it again? Was it just kind of something in the background that? You had to listen to Eagle Rock or whatever because that's what Dad was playing. Because as you were driving, Eagle, Eagle Rock. That's right. Oh, that's the song, yeah, that isn't a, it? Oh, that was a trigger. Uh, that, oh, mate. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I was, I was actively seeking out music. I don't know why. Okay. Um, like I said before, the, 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 my parents were were not particularly into it. Um, but uh, the, just just back then, the basics were um, were were combing combing the radio dial and seeing, yep. seeing what you could find. Um, uh, and I'm talking, this is before you, you've got, uh, you've got any kind of money to spend or, or, or the ability to even go, go to a, go to a retail store and, and, and purchase something. But, yeah. um, yeah, combing the radio, radio dial was a big one and, uh, things like video hits and rage, those were probably even more influential. Yeah. Um, and just, 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 just jumping between the two. Channel ten, channel two, channel ten, channel yeah. two. So um, at thirty-two years old, would, would, did you were you part of like was recovery happening when you were younger? Yes, yes. Just so so that recovery you were, was yeah, yeah. And so recovery was 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 pretty pretty influential. Um, it it skewed a little bit uh, a little bit older than me. So yeah, yeah. Um, it was a bit of a steep learning curve, but um, <laughs> yeah, right, okay. <laughs> um. But it's funny because I see uh, I see Mr. Dylan Lewis, the old host of Recovery, yeah. quite a lot now. He's quite he's quite active in in, in Adelaide and, and worked in the same building as me for a long time. Yeah, right. Um, he's a pretty pretty loose unit. He's basically the same as what he was when he was on Recovery. But That's wild. Um, yeah, some third twenty years old. Twenty years old. <laughs> Old habits die hard. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, so I think they finished up in like O two or O three. So yeah, but it was in its prime. Definitely in the no- late nineties, it was in its prime. So yeah, yeah. So I um I, I would have been cruising through 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 primary school through the nineties, uh, yeah. and then and then and then into high school in the late nineties. So um I did still catch it, I guess, in a bit more of a understood context. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, the great thing about 
rage was that they often showed live clips from recovery. Yeah, and that was that was an introduction for me to to uh, a lot of bands like Green Day, for example. Um, yep. I'd heard Green Day, but seeing them play uh, on on recovery, this little tiny stage or this this TV set. Um, it was just the coolest thing ever, and it was rough, you know. It was recorded live, so it wasn't 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 overdubbed like you would see uh, a late night talk show, for example. Actually, back then, a lot of the late night talk shows weren't were actually live, but 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 for the ones that weren't, um, just to prove the point, I guess. Um, so that was a clip where yeah. that was a clip where they went from get, being interviewed to hijacking the the house band's right, gear. Yeah. That was the one, yeah? That's it, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty that classic, was... that that footage, yeah. And they played The Grouch, yeah. Uh, the Grouch, that's yeah. what it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's um, I'm sure there's uh, there's some YouTube... Uh, oh, it's out the YouTube Gold. It's called YouTube Gold and it is out there. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely... Fantastic. It's, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it was this, um, it was this kind of, at the time, um, it's quite aggressive but still very... Um, it still had these strong pop, upbeat elements to it. Um, the Grouch, I'm referring to. Yep. Um, and it just, it just, just blew my mind, right? Like that there was, there was, there was this way of playing music that was noisy, that was, that was, um, aggravated, that, um, that, that had, uh, this unpolished kind of slant to it, but still, have it be accessible to a TV audience and, mm. um, yeah, it just having that, that kind of exposure, um, at, at, at quite a young age, um, I think had a very influential, um, gave me a really, uh, a really interesting direction to, to, um, to, I guess, appreciate some of the, some of the records that, uh, that my dad maybe had in his collection, but wasn't, wasn't playing. Okay. Um, yeah, which I guess kind of dovetails really nicely into the second track. So, so this was this was pre this was pre recovery. This was pre uh, pre my 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 um, exposure to to Green Day on recovery. <laughs> um, but I found the uh, I found uh, my dad's one of my dad's Midnight Oil records. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, just just in keeping with what I was saying before about that kind of. Uh, different take on what is still essentially a pop song um, was something that really resonated with me. And I think Midnight Oil were a band that were able to capture that really, really well. Yeah. Um, and obviously <laughs> uh, it actually it plays really well into what we were talking about before, um, having a very overt, hard-on-your-sleeve political stance yeah. uh, was, was, um, was something that was very... Um, was something that was very, very fascinating to me because I didn't understand so much of it, and I needed to ask questions, and I, and I wasn't always getting the answers that that I wanted, or, or, or getting and I guess quenching that thirst for more, for more, yeah, uh, information. So because, it was this, because their stuff, sorry to cut in, <clears throat> their no, stuff no, wasn't. Um, the two things that I love about, I mean, I mean, you know, there's a million things you can love about Midnight Oil, but two things that really stand out for me is. Their songs are very rarely, you know, one size fits all kind of mm. take from it what you will. It, their songs are really direct. Like whether whether or not you understand what the messaging is, 
there is a message to it. If you get it, you get it. And if you don't, then, yeah, absolutely, like, people will feel compelled, compelled to look into it. Um, you know, with, yeah. with with songs like Beds Are Burning or, you know, pick any of their hits. Um, and it, it plays to this really popular, you know, popular crowd, like, big, huge audience, but still has this really, you know, ham-fisted message about, like, this is what's happening in Australia or this is what's happened in Australia. Right, exactly. So, yeah, there's this, there's this present day and then there's also this reflective element to them as well. And, 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 and I mean, they're attracted to marry the two as well yeah. um, and, do, and do it really beautifully too. Um, the, the track that I've, I've picked is, is The Dead Heart. Fantastic. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a goodie. <laughs> it's one that I guess a lot of people will recognise, uh, even if they don't recognise the, the title. It was, it was played, was played a lot, um, and it still, still gets a few run, run through. Um, but full disclosure, this was, this was probably around uh, nine or ten years old. Yep. Um, I, <laughs> I, I bought um, a CD. Uh, when I was eight, before we had a CD player. Okay. <laughs> but I bought it. Um, and it's a far cry from from uh, from Midnight Oil's The Dead Heart. I bought the Lion King soundtrack. Mate. So I think I should just share that with everyone. Look, I feel that. And look, that was one of the biggest um, – that's literally one of the biggest soundtracks of all time. So, you know, exactly. you're not alone in buying that. Like I, I definitely was a fan of that movie. I don't think I bought the soundtrack, but definitely bought the movie like the day it came out. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's so look, it was the mid nineties. Um, yeah. Things it, are excusable. It, it's largely considered yeah. a classic. Yeah, um, I've probably still got it somewhere. Yeah, um, and uh, I probably paid some obscene amount of money for right. it, which is what what you had to do back then for a CD. So, talk me through um, the thought process of buying music in a format which you can't listen to. Yeah, sure. So <laughs> it's twofold, right? Okay. Um, so I didn't have any music, uh, like physical music. I had some tapes that I had dubbed myself um, off off the radio. Yep. <laughs> created my own little 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 compilations. As you do. Early early days podcasting too, right? Yeah. I was I was recording. Uh, I was recording. Uh, little intervals between between the two, pretending wow. that I was a radio DJ. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and and getting you know, missing the first five seconds of the song playing on the radio, yep. and, and then hitting play. Oh, uh, that's the song that I want. That's, so. I've done that. Yep, I've done that. I feel you. Yeah. And um, yeah, just discovering that I can I can get uh get get a catalogue of, of, of music or I can get uh, a snapshot of, of, of music and, it, and it's my own um, was something that was very appealing to me. Um, and the second part, I suppose, was that it was a bit of a coercive move to try to get my parents a CD player. Right. That <laughs> makes sense. Buy a CD player, yeah. which happened about six months later, but, but for that full six months it sat on my desk. Did you have like um, a, did you have a dubbed copy of the – of the soundtrack so you could listen to it no. and like pretend you were, you know, the CD was on or you were just like, no. you just had to go off reference from the movie of what the song sounded like and that kind of thing. That's it. Right. Well, um, and, and at this point it had only just finished in cinemas or maybe it was still playing in cinemas. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd, I'd crack the shrink wrap and I'd, I'd 
flick through the liner notes and and, and read, read read the credits and 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 uh, have no real understanding of of, uh, of of what was going on there other than learning all the words to Akuna Matata without being able to hear it. That's so amazing. You would have been so ready when the CD went on, but yeah, just just smashed it. Yeah. Kept, uh, probably drove my parents insane playing kind of like the whole Daddy Cool Road Trip thing, right? Um, right. Yeah. Except it's it's called payback. It payback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, as, as as a parent now, I can see that 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 would uh that that soundtrack in particular would, would be very grating. So <laughs> side note, but like we're both we're both fathers, and I guess your daughter, you got a three year old. I've got a two and a half year old and an eight week old. So has your two and a half year old taken to any kind of music yet? Yeah, is uh, is pretty keen on on anything with a with a bit of a driving beat. Um, the first track that we were talking about before is a particular favourite. So, okay, which is fine. <laughs> um, I think there's some the, some Instagram story footage of her dancing to that. Um, awesome. from not that long ago, um, but yeah, very. Um, very, very emotional when it comes to music. Uh, it shuts her eyes and sways her head and, and really starts to feel feel what's going on, which is beautiful to see. So far be it for me to give dad advice because I still hardly know what I'm doing, although I'm giving it the best crack I possibly can. No, my, neither. Yeah, neither. My, my son's favourite, when he was anywhere from, from 18 months to about two and a half years, my son's favourite, you know, recording artists were uh, Tom Waits and the Dandy Warhols, oh, wow. yeah, loved. Wow. Had a couple of Tom Waits songs, a couple of Dandy Warhol songs that he'd he'd hear, he'd ears would prick up, and he'd run out and start dancing, right? And it was fantastic. Um, my wife Beautiful. and I went on a small road trip the other day with my son, and all he wanted to listen to was this guy named Blippy. I don't know if Blippy's on your radar yet, but no, it's soon enough, Wiggles. yeah, yeah. So Wiggles is kind of tolerable. But it gets it gets worse. But even like then, listen to Wiggles like on repetition can get grating. So like, you know, good luck with like eventually, eventually they when they do find their own taste and they will, you'll hate it so much. Like you'll oh, love you'll yeah. love that they're loving it, but you'll hate the the music itself. So yeah, that's just a little something to look forward. Yeah, I'm to, about I'm about done with the uh, Moana soundtrack as well. So. Um, kind of looking forward to the Moana one did you say French yeah. oh mate see I, I I love when that comes on I'm a big fan <laughs> of that. I love that album and that movie yeah so yeah yeah cool. so it's been played to death in our house so we're uh we're, we're, we're looking time we're for looking something for, new uh, for some respite yeah yeah no fair enough that's well that's that that can be part one of our dad talk session um so <laughs> have we turned it into a dad podcast now is it's that, about to be it's now? about i'm pivoting yeah. as we speak i'm pivoting and we're going to do dad talks um target market man in, yeah indeed so but before we go on um you went with you're going to go with the dead heart i assume yeah 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 did your dad own diesel and dust or did, did your dad yeah, own best yeah. off? okay so so um full, full credit to him on that one had 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 uh had the classic diesel and dust record yep why that song, like over any of the other bangers on that album, is this something that kind of, like, is that one the one that kind of sticks in your memory the the most, or what's the story? Yeah, so so a bit of both, right? Um, so definitely is the one that that resonated the strongest with me. I think because um, it was fairly accessible to listen to. So um, yeah. being being uh, being single digits, you know, being 
eight or nine years old. Yeah. Easy to digest was good. Um, but in terms of lyrical content, um, it was it was straightforward enough to to infer some things and um, acted as a really good springboard to to ask um, ask my dad some questions. You know what what does this mean or what are they talking about or or, um, or is, is this what they is this what they're saying? Yeah. Um, at least in terms of how he interpreted it. Um, he was he was he was not the best interpreter when it came to <laughs> came to this sort of stuff. Um, for someone who who had a couple of uh, Midnight Oil records, um, did not have a, a, a good a good understanding of of, uh, of of modern day Australia at that point. Yeah. Um, or, or what was happening politically. Um, but again, what we were talking about before, the beautiful thing about Midnight Oil is is they were able to package it in a way that reached people. Who, who who maybe weren't as politically aware or or even interested for that matter, yeah. um, and it was able to plant a few seeds and, and get them thinking about what uh, what kind of messages they were they were interested in in um, in, in in presenting to to, to the world.
What a jamber. That's such a good song. <laughs> it is like, really, really yeah. good. A couple of pearls you could have picked on that, but, yeah, like the Dead Heart is definitely, yeah, it's definitely one of the, one of the three top standout tracks being that, um, Dreamworld and Beds of Burning. So, yeah. What was really difficult in, uh, in terms of getting to a point of these, of these songs before the podcast, Joel, was, was trying not to pick what I'm enjoying now. As opposed that, no, to and that makes sense. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So completely agree. Right. Um, yeah. but, but trying to stay true and go, okay, this, this, this is an absolute banger. Uh, how come I didn't listen to this song more, um, back in the day, but, um, but yeah. No, it was just, you know, it's just the way that things will obviously hit you. Like, um, I, I definitely find that a lot of songs I listened to as a younger, as being younger, weren't as weird as this is going to sound like. I kind of, for whatever reason, veered away from ultra poppy stuff, but was mm. more like I listened to it, but like something like, you know, again, if you take take two big songs off that album being The Dead Heart or Beds Are Burning, uh, sorry, The Dead Heart or Dreamworld, Dreamworld's this fantastic huge wall of sound and it's, you know, really uplifting and, you know, in a major key and all that kind of jazz that should tick every box. But I listen to Dead Heart and go, wow, this is really – because it's in a minor key, it sounds mysterious and it sounds spooky and it it kind of makes me want to, you know, dig into that. So, like, you know, just the way things hit you at the time and, like, not just – and, you know, where nowadays I'd probably listen to something a bit more straightforward or, you know, yeah, that's – it's just the way it hits you at the time and it always – it's I guess it's ever-evolving. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting insight. Joel. Yeah. Um, and I like that you kind of validated my choice as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Like, I would have, again, back, like, I would have liked, I uh, would have liked Dreamworld, but yeah, you know, Beds Are Burning and, um, yeah, The Dead Heart, yeah, um, would have completely just intrigued me, you know, like, mm. yeah, because I, I mean, partially because I guess it isn't as, you know, and there's nothing wrong with sugar coatings, like, you know, making stuff palatable or that kind of thing, but because it's not palatable, it's like, well, why is I'm still addicted to this? I still want to hear it, but it's not in like it doesn't make me feel good, but like you know, or happy or whatever. But I still want to keep listening to it. What is it about it? And kind of, kind of keep digging in that sense. So mm. yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's my no, little, good point. That's my take. Um, so you you were born in Melbourne. Would you grow up in Correct. kind of suburbs or like out like kind of? Yeah, where where in Melbourne? You know, not specifically, but like, what was your kind of upbringing, suburbia? Like, uh, sorry, town like was it suburbia yeah, sure. or was so, it? Yeah, so it was um, it was about ten k north of the city, okay, uh, or northeast ish. So uh, these days, that's that's um, that's that's prime. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, yeah, it's doesn't sound too far at all. Yeah, no, no, and and look, relatively speaking, you know, it was a twenty five minute. 30 minute drive into, into the CBD yeah. uh, back then. Um, so yeah, it was certainly not, not that far out, but certainly uh, not, not uh, in the city either. Yeah. But you being the oldest of three kids, a, a common theme that we have in a common theme that we have with a lot of these episodes like, or that a lot of guests have is that they have that kind of older sibling to kind of, or, you know, even older cousin to kind of, um, get get music from and kind of trickle trickle feed music like how were you getting it from um how were you kind of getting into it once you kind of yeah. outgrew the bubble not outgrew the bubble but like realized that there was more music out there than what your dad was listening to 
kind of thing? Like how was that kind of drip feeding into your into your scope? Yeah, sure. So we, we talked about um, rage and video hits before. Uh, of course, yeah. So, um, yeah, so um, I guess in that late 90s period after um, after listening to, cause I guess, the, the, the Midnight Oil um, phase, I was listening to a record that was essentially um, eight, ten years old by yeah. that point. Um, but um, then I was hearing through you know a little bit on the radio but but mostly mostly through um through video hits things like like green day and beastie boys and and really really resonating with that sort of stuff um and then uh i guess a year or two later maybe things like the living end okay um and really resonating with that um and that kind of gets you to a, a, a bit of a slippery slope where one thing you, f- you can springboard and find another thing and um, you're kind of going down a bit of a path there. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely um, going down a rabbit hole of sorts, yeah. Yeah. The um, And so, so I was sort of firmly in, in that world for a while um, and I had some friends who splintered off and, and, and kind of went in the more Slipknot, Metallica kind of, Direction, yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas I, uh, I I didn't really feel what was going on there as, as much. Um, so it was that kind of more commercial um, hip hop and, um, and 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 things like the Living End and Green Day, like I mentioned before. Um, I guess the the the, the, the big um, the big kind of pivotal moment um, for me was. Uh, moving into high school, um, moving into the high school period. Um, so year, the first year of high school for me, uh, 12 years old, um, more or less carrying through what I just mentioned. But uh, once I hit 13, um, it was a really, really, really good year for music and um, particularly a lot of the stuff that I would listen to now. Yeah. Um, and uh, I met a girl then who then became my first girlfriend who had an older brother. Okay. Uh, as, as you as you uh, as you kind of alluded to, and yep. he was drip feeding a lot of incredible music. I think he was about eighteen at the time when we were thirteen. So yep. he had his finger on the pulse. Um, and uh, so I was getting uh, really into bands like At The Drive-In or Refused um, and trying to, um, I guess, overhype uh, those bands to an extent yeah. more than I, I was actually enjoying them in an effort to to really look cool and, and impress this flex, flex your credibility. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Um, but but in the in the process, I uh, ended up really enjoying a lot of it. Yeah. Um, the the I guess the, the the standout though I guess that um, so yeah basically you know she was super into it. I wanted to be cool. Yep. <laughs> so, so I was listening to a bunch of it as well. Um, and I'm about thirteen at this point, so I'm I'm staying up a bit later, and I'm I'm seeing this. This, this late night rage um, thing going on where uh, from about 11-ish. Yep. Uh, sorry, I've got some beeping going on in the background. Can you hear that? No, that's okay. 
That's all right. <laughs> Carry on. That's all good. Maybe it was me. Yeah, yeah. I've never even heard that beeper before. Um, I assume the podcast machine was about to uh, no, implode. No, she's, she's cruising and we're all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so about 11 o'clock at night, they start doing the uh, – uh, I, I, I guess a whole bunch of new releases and on, on a Saturday they would have guest programmers where yep. they'd have artists come in and yeah, and that was that was super formative. That was essentially my, Very much uh, so. yeah. my, my schooling – um, so I, I would, I would, I would see, see bands like the ones that I've just mentioned and, uh, and, 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 and really start doing a deep dive on, on what I could hear. Um, I guess I'm going a bit down a bit of a rabbit hole here too, because this was when, uh, early days of Napster and, uh, oh, yeah. and before it had shut down. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you could, you could see, oh, the, that at the drive-in track was insane. See who else has got some at the drive-in material and just see what else they've got. The entire, yeah, yeah, slam the entire catalog on a, on a 56k modem. Yeah, <laughs> wake up the next day and maybe have one or two tracks. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, you just <laughs> select as much as you can, throw as much shit as the wall at the wall as you can, and then go to bed and then wake up and see what Santa left behind the next exactly. morning. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So yeah, the um. The uh, the the I guess the the exposure at that point was was thick and fast. There yeah. was a lot um, to to pick. Um, the song that I've picked uh, is by a band called AFI called Days of the Phoenix. Mate, uh, <laughs> this is so, yeah. It's not about no, no, me. Carry keep, on, keep, no, oh, just like like I like I still to this day have an un like in an unapologetic love of AFI. There you like, go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's, it sort of dropped off for me after after that record. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, and I but, can understand I, that. I, yeah, I can understand I can, why I can it does. Appreciate it. Yeah. The um, so yeah, it was it was uh, it was it was the video. Um, I had the VHS recorder taping um, every time I was watching Late Night Rage, just on the hopes that I could catch something that I, yeah. that I enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was one of those times. Um, and I must've watched that, that clip a hundred times. That's uh, fantastic. More. Um, asked my, when my mum, what I asked, excuse me, when my mum asked me what I wanted for Christmas that year, yeah. uh, I asked for not knowing anything more other than just saying I wanted the AFI CD. Yeah. <laughs> So she had to hunt around. Um, she went to, to the local Sanity or, or HMV or, or, or one of those chains yeah. and asked the gentleman behind the counter for, for, for this particular record who gave her an absolute serving that this record has demonic themes. Yeah, I mean, well. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and painted a very bleak picture to the point where she wouldn't buy it. She got a bit rattled. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and uh, I just—I <laughs> thought this is one of those movies where, where, where your parents don't let you buy the buy the uh, buy the record that has the parental warning on it. Like yeah. I was already getting told, you can't watch M fifteen plus movies, yeah. and you have to wait till you're fifteen. And like, uh, like I said before, I was the oldest of three. My parents were still finding their feet as uh, how they were going to discipline and how they were going to parent. 
Yeah. Us, so I was I was the test case, and uh, they they took those classifications very literally. Yep. So um, so I was I was in a state of like okay, so I, I can't get this this, this AFI CD. Um, I can only find about half the half the tracks <laughs> on on uh, on on Napster. Uh, what what am I going to do? Um, and when I eventually got it on my own, I had to hide it in, in yeah. my room for fear that uh, for fear that they were going to find it or, or that she was specifically going to find it. Um, so you said your so it, your mum was was it Irish Catholic? Or do I make yeah, that up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, like, no, it, yeah. so 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 a shop attendant saying anything remotely like like that this album has demonic themes or you know, oh alarm bells, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like they're just like, no, nah, <laughs> shut it down. This isn't happening. Not in my house. Which you know, like, yeah, yeah, it does. But you know, yeah, it's it's a like I completely get it. And again, in your head. yeah, yeah. But if you're if you're a first time parent. And you're not sure what you're doing, and someone says that to you. You, with no research, the person behind the counter is the professional. Like he put his, they've I assume it was a he. They've put their own bias into it, saying you know this is what it's about. But like they're the professional. If that's what they say, then obviously your mum, who's got strong religious beliefs, is going to go no. Like this isn't this not not yeah. not one my not under my roof kind of thing. Yeah. And they and they really lent into the to the to, into the Im- imagery for, for oh uh, yeah yeah it's, for, and like, it's that all was there all part of, yeah. yeah yeah um like it was, it was kind of to a similar um I mean it's not the same but um bands like Alkaline Trio that really kind of wear that um wear that aesthetic on their sleeve oh yeah um, the the, the, were, the albums that came around the, the Alkaline Trio albums that came out around the same time as um. The Art of Drowning. Art of Drowning, yeah. yeah. we're very, like, uh, you know, so Good Morning and From Here to Infirmary or whatever. From, yeah, From Here to Infirmary. They, yeah, they were all, you know, they were probably all buying the makeups from the same place and, you know, reading the, <laughs> reading the same um, whatever the satanic uh, Avon, what's his name? The, uh, you know, all those, all those, like, occultist writers oh, and stuff, yeah. they're all reading their books um, yeah, so you can imagine, yeah, the the Alkaline Trio stuff would have got shut down as well. Well, there were a lot of uh, a lot of Davy Havoc haircuts floating around the um, the Melbourne scene in the years to follow. So yeah, I can imagine um, the, yeah. the, the influence was, um, was 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 definitely there. Yeah, but, um, yeah. So the um, as you said, it was shut down and <laughs> to live in secret a little bit. Um, for that one, but um, yeah, the the we, we talked about it um, at the drive-in briefly earlier. Um, so that was all happening at the same time. Yeah, sort of in that two thousands bracket, that, or the year two thousand. Um, and in terms of, because um, I'm just looking at your brief, and you're asking what uh, what are some of the tracks that your parents probably hated. So obviously that was that was a no-brainer. That's that's exactly why. Yep. My parents hated the AFI record. They really hated the the uh, at the drive-in relationship command record that I had as well. Um, so what was it? Because, what was it about that? Yeah, go on. Sorry, what was it about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so somehow I got away with that one, um, but in terms of that 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 typical, oh my god, what what is this rubbish that you're listening to? Crap. That was that was really that record for me. Yeah. Um, and I guess. Looking back 
um, I can see someone from that generation having, well, not that generation, but I can see someone making that assumption or, or making that making that call. Um, you've got Cedric doing what's essentially spoken word throughout a lot of the tracks. I was smashing yeah. in Valid Department a lot. That was the, that was the, the, the radio, quote unquote, single at the single, time. Yeah, that um, one arm scissor, yeah. Yeah, for some reason, for some reason, uh, um, involved the department really, really gelled with me. Okay, more. yeah, yep. uh, do, do like a good one arm scissor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think I had uh, invalid over and over again on repeat, and um, yeah, I, I've just got vivid memories of my parents coming or my dad coming into the room, just going, "What is this rubbish?" and using using a lot more. Colourful language, language than yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's not, I mean, if you're an angsty young youth, then I can, like, obviously you can click with that. Like, it, it, that album hit me as well as millions of others huge. But, mm. like, if you if you haven't done the progression of, you know, of your AFIs and whatever else to then get, and, like, you know, Green Day and Beastie Boys or whatever to then get to that, if you just come into that hot off hearing, again, like the great, Daddy Cool's greatest hits, it's fucking wild. <laughs> like it's it's wild unto itself, but then with those ears, it's like it's it makes no sense. No, well put, yeah. well put, Joel. Um, it's funny you say that, right? Because I remember it would have been a couple of years on. Um, I wasn't listening to the Get Up Kids when I was thirteen, unfortunately. Yeah, but it wasn't yeah, too enough. far. <laughs> um, but, but it was it was very close. But, um, uh, I remember my dad hearing uh i think it was the four minute mile record actually yep. the one before that um and really taking umbrage to um to uh the vocal um matt Pryor's uh struggling to think of his name yeah uh, matt Pryor's uh nasally vocal yeah um yeah and, and <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't witty enough at the time, but I'm like, are we? Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about it now. Are we gonna, we're gonna pick apart the uh, the, the vocal quality of, of, of your record collection, mate? Next, you or? know, and yeah, like not to, again, not to make a bad boom, but like yeah, my dad had the same a similar kind of thing do. with the vote with the um, with the lyrics. I remember, like at a younger age, um, when Bush's 16 Stone album came out, there mm. was um, there's a song called Everything's Zen on it. Everything's Zen was the song. And there's a there's a line in it. There's something like, um, "Should I fly to Los Angeles to find my asshole brother?" And my dad heard that and just like just goes, was didn't say you know wasn't verbatim, but the message was, "Music's dead." Like if this is what they're singing about nowadays, like this is it's all bad or whatever. And I was like, "Mate, whoa, whoa, whoa let's slow our horses," because your favorite band sung the lyrics, "Obla de obla da," like. Let's you know. Let's not split hairs. Yeah, yeah, let's let's not let's not get into the the <laughs> intricacies of fantastic uh, lyric writing because we all had we all, you know we've all had swings and we've all had misses. So yeah, you know it's definitely music is definitely wildly like it it definitely shows that generation gap whether people want to admit it or not. You know, and I, I feel the same thing looking at music that's happening now. I just go uh, like, and I'm you know I'm I love music. And I still surround myself with it, so I, I'm not as jaded as what you know our parents obviously were. But yeah, look at music and go like, I guess keep going. Maybe like you know, it's not for me, but find your market and keep going because you know, yeah, 
we're really cementing this as the uh, it's the dad podcast. The, it's the, the yeah. dad podcast yeah. where we where we critique. This is the Patreon episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, it, yeah. We put our we put our thirty year old something dad brains to the test and um, yeah. Sponsored by Patagonia or something. Patagonia <laughs> and some craft beer, like yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> That's much better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic. Just, just craft beer, just, just sponsored by craft beer. Yeah, craft beer as a whole. And MailChimp. The, yeah. As an industry, craft beer and MailChimp. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, I can't even remember where we're going from that. Um, <laughs> AFI. Uh, AFI. Yeah. And not being allowed to play it. Yep. And yep. hiding it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, she never heard it, right? So yeah. when, it, when, it, when, it, uh, when it finally um, – because you're, you're from Melbourne, aren't you, Joel? No, Sydney. Initially no, Sydney, from Sydney. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have to um, I have to sneak my way into the into the uh, into the CBD and go to essentially our what was then our Resist Records equivalent uh, missing link. Yep, there's right of passage. Uh, well, yeah, I, yeah. I suppose they are fundamentally a pretty different store, actually. But um, our so our the Sydney equivalent would probably be Red Eye Records. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's still going strong, I hear. I assume so. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope I haven't put my foot in it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so I, I, I picked it up. Uh, they probably had about 50 copies of the, of the thing uh, for angsty teens like me. Yeah. Uh, who, are, who are buying it under the radar from their, from their parents. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, had the Disman wrapped in a tea towel because I didn't have the, the anti-skip function because I had a cheap second-hand one. I feel you. Yeah. So you, so you didn't, you didn't have your own CD player. If you were listening to it, it was on your disc one. Is that the way? That's Is right. It? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And a pretty beaten up one of that. Yeah. Mm. But uh, the oh no, sorry, I tell a lie. Uh, I did have a CD player in my room, um, just a little tiny boombox thing. Yep. Um, yeah, but I didn't dare play the AFI record. Yeah. On the on the CD player, but again, on reflection, they wouldn't have known, right? Well, that's so. yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, they, yeah, as long as you hear the actual the booklet, yeah, they wouldn't have had a clue. Yeah, but yeah. again, I'm not that smart, so you're not I, uh, at that age. You're definitely not. Yeah, you're thinking of the worst possible scenarios. Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't thinking, oh wow, I'm pulling one over them. I'm, I'm uh, look, I was, I was just, I was, I was crapping my back, thinking yeah. at any minute this this record that. Um, has cost an absolute arm and a leg because that would have been an import back then too. So yeah. slap another fifty percent on top yeah. of whatever you had to pay. That yep. um, essentially took you know three quarters of a day to go get. You know, jump on the train, go into the city, uh, do, do it all rounds. undetected, and then yeah. come back. Yeah, um, like it was a big investment, both financial and otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Because like you know, if if the if the stories were true, like Satan would appear. Like the Something CD, like that, right? CD yeah. would you know the CD would conjure up Satan and then how do you explain oh. that to mum and dad? Yeah, it's like you got that CD, didn't you? Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> no it's, it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> so is is uh is uh, is uh let me say that again is um day of the phoenix what we're going to go for or did you want to go for the oh yeah the absolutely so yeah look I, I think in in fairness to the CD shop story and and the, and the absolute serving that my mum got um we need to make it. The AFI record.
the missing link you went to was the one that was about the size of a shoebox, yeah? Yeah. It was Little Collins? Uh, back then it would have been, yeah. It would yeah, have been yeah. the one before they moved into the underground store. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I used to probably around that time, probably three or four times a year, i just jump on a plane, like, yeah, just jump on a plane and head on down and do just hang out in Melbourne. Like so staying, yeah. yeah, yeah, just stay in a cheap, stay in a cheap um, hotel up near the art house and just – do the shopping, yeah. Like go to go to JB Hi-Fi before JB Hi-Fi was everywhere, and you know, yeah. go yeah, do that whole yeah. It was a yeah, it's a fantastic. It was a fantastic city to. It's a fantastic city to do that in. So mm. and yeah. back then, I think the, the the CD buyer for the city store, the JB Hi-Fi, um, must have come from from that that kind of scene, right? There was such a big, strong. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what the what the what the other genres were were like. Obviously, the store was big, but um, I can remember having discussions with 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 my punko friends at the time. Saying, do we like do we go into Missing Link or do we pay an extra and pay an extra two or three dollars or can we get the record from JB Hi-Fi? No, you can't go into JB Hi-Fi. Yeah. Don't support <laughs> don't, it. Don't sell out. Why yeah. are we having this? Why are we having this conversation? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but yeah, there was a, there was a lot of crossover. Like obviously, there was a ton of obscure stuff that you could only get in um, in Missing Link. But like, let's say if you wanted that at the drive-in record, um, you could you could quite literally walk into uh, the JB Hi-Fi and, and and pick it up. Yeah, that's right. Like if the if the buyer had the finger on the pulse, that was on a that would would have been at least distributed on a. I can't. It was on Grand Funk, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, and that's actually the Beastie Boys. Yeah, it was label. on their uh, label. As in, yeah, but then it probably was licensed um, by someone out here, and so therefore probably relatively easily to get. Mm, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was, it was from memory, but um, yeah. rose-colored glasses, right? So yeah, well, knows? that's yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, did you ever? Did you ever feel like? I mean this is a weird question that I ask and only of late have I kind of thought it's, it's an odd question to ask, but it's always just kind of intrigued me. Did you ever pick up an instrument? Because like, you know, you do your label and you've done it for, I think we, I don't know if we mentioned on the podcast or before we chatted, you've done your label for 13 years. Um, Did you ever pick up an instrument yourself or did you like the, the need to play wasn't ever there? Yeah, no, it was, it was was definitely there. Um, But the desire to refine skill set and uh and become good at that instrument wasn't strong enough yep that makes sense <laughs> so, yeah. uh, i persevered anyway um but uh so I, I did uh i did um did the rounds with drums for many years so okay. i was i was playing in in um some very very basic diy kind of bands um as a teenager um, and uh, did the whole, you know, pseudo touring thing and um, kind of got to a point and said the the drummers around me are making me feel very, very bad. Yeah, very <laughs> so inadequate. Yeah. Yeah, very inadequate. Yeah, that's, that's a much better way to articulate it. So um, the... <sighs> The side of, of, of the logistics around um, putting together a record and um, 
presenting that and um, having full control over um, just coming back to like that earlier conversation around just having something physical to hold in my hand and so getting that Lion King soundtrack <laughs> was um, was, uh, was 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 kind of always there, right? So um, I was the guy in the band that, uh, and I argue there's always one. And having worked with bands from a label perspective um, for a long time now, um, I think this rings true. There's always at least one guy or girl in the band that is a bit more. Uh, organized yeah. uh, in terms of outside of the the, 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 the music playing, uh, yeah. whether that's logistics or or, or the or, or even from an arty kind of perspective in terms of what they're what they're looking for in terms of vision. Yep. Um, there's there's always uh, someone who kind of pushes that envelope a little bit more than the other people in the band, and and I, and I guess that was that was always me. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, you you just had that extra bit of drive for yeah that wasn't necessarily related to the music directly. Yeah, and so it got to a kind of a point where being in a band was almost an excuse to do that. Okay. Yeah. Rather than actually playing drums. So, so what what bands were they? Any of that kind uh, of? That, not nothing that uh that the um it was in that really weird period right where and I've spoken to a lot of people about this where. Um, it was in that really weird period of the internet when it was really difficult to get music online. Yeah. So we're talking mid 2000, sort of 2004, 2005 uh, was when I started uni and uh, well, I was, it was in uh, I was in third year, I guess by then. But um, but when things like MP3.com had shut down, but um, things like pure volume or, or even MySpace hadn't got to a point where you could upload music readily. So yeah, yeah. Um, for a lot of bands kind of that existed and, and that were that were strong on the local scene um, fell into a bit of an obscure bucket. Um, but there's some great uh, activity going on at the moment where uh, and Black, Black Wire Records in Sydney are doing a great job of, of cataloging a lot of those CDR only or, or, or 500 odd press yep. uh, CDs or, or seven inches that, that never really went online because there was just nowhere to put them back then. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're doing a great job of, of kind of cataloging what was going on uh, around that time. And so we're seeing um, a bunch of that um, spring up. Um, yeah. A couple of my bands are on there as well. Okay. Um, I, won't, I, won't, I won't mention them, but um, we'll but a little digging. bit of we'll find a little it. bit of digging, I think, yeah. will probably resolve. Um, yeah, because it was definitely you know, it was definitely at a time when um, the need and want for the communal, you know, well, the community was shifting online, but the technology mm. kind of hadn't caught up with it. So, That's like, yeah, right, you could yeah. have it was weird because you could have like hype. Like you could be a band that had hype online, but people still had to go buy your records. Yeah, like if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because you were talking about it in like a forum. Yeah, but, uh, remember those? Oh, dude, I do all too well, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just digging this this hole deeper in terms of the uh, the the dad music podcast. I yeah. think I think we're on a wick. <laughs> we are. Winning, uh, um, <laughs> I'll, I'm, wicked on that one. I'll hit up like Casper mattresses or something, and we'll get a. 
we'll get it in oh, there and no. yeah, 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 yeah. we'll make that happen. Yeah. So did you kind you saw that drummers around you were just kind of, you know, what you thought were leaps and leaps and bounds ahead ahead of you in, you know, what you thought a drummer should be. Um did did it take you long to kind of make the shift from kind of pushing the drums to the side and um working out the logistics of, you know, pressing your own records or pressing other people's records and that kind of thing? Yeah, so the two kind of happened hand in hand. Um, the when, when I was in high school uh, or the, the final year of high school, um, there was a fella who was a year older than me um, who we played in uh, a band together for a little while afterwards, but um, he wanted to start a label and we did one release. <laughs> so... Um, Whilst I was playing music, whilst I was playing music, uh, I kind of got a bit of a taste for it. Um, really weird, um, I guess, three, four, five degrees of separation. That band that we released uh, actually went on to be, um, let me rephrase, um, Lee from the Smith Street Band. Uh, this was his uh early projects. I think he was just fresh out of high school as well. Okay. Um, uh, kind of, I'm not quite sure how, how, how to describe it with, um, anyway, I'm getting a bit off, off, off topic, but, um, so I got, I got, a, I got a taste for it that way. Um, and, um, up until that point, my bands had just self-released, not even considering giving our music to someone else. Um, to, to, to release. Um, we, we made our own packaging. We, um, we, we were quite proud of, of, of the DIY aspect of it and didn't want it to look too slick. Yeah. That was, that was kind of all part of the aesthetic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, and so being a drummer, uh, you need a car and <laughs> space. Um, and, uh, I got to a point where, um, I'd started the label. Uh, sorry, no, I hadn't started the label. I'd, 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 I was finishing things up with the high school label, um, with a friend of mine still playing in band. Um, wanted to start, um, something on my own, but didn't have the money to, to, to do anything. Um, back then, uh, there was a band kicking around from Sydney called Staying at Home. Yep. Who I was really, really into. Yeah. Um, and uh, talking to talking to the singer uh, Adam Adam Lee's now yep. plays in Lungs. Lungs. Or played yeah. In Lungs. yeah. Um, they just finished recording, I think. Yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah. I can see some some updates of, of him tracking some noodly guitars and, and, yeah. and all the crazy crap that he, he gets up to. Yeah. Um, with, with recording, um, it looks very complicated and probably going to be really good. Yeah, um, undoubtedly. But, uh, basically squared away, um, the opportunity to release, uh, what was then going to be the last staying at home record, uh, posthumously, they, they'd just broken up. Yep. Um, one thing led to a love, another, it, it didn't quite work out, but he offered me his, uh, solo, solo material, um, under the title O oh Messy Life. Um, oh, that's right, yeah. A, a not so obscure reference to uh, Captain Jazz. Um, but uh, 
in order to do that, um, I essentially needed to sell my very, very beaten up 20-year-old Ford Laser. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm riding my bike, my, my like, my, my push bike everywhere. Um, I'm just going to give up the drums uh, and use this money to press 500 CDs. Yep. Um, which was all well and good. Uh, except I was living in country Victoria at the time and commuting back to metropolitan Melbourne um, every couple of weeks. Okay. Um, and it's only only a two-hour drive, but um, <laughs> it's doing a, it. It's a big bike ride. It's a big bike ride. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was planning on, on, on staying in metro Melbourne again, um, but doing these, doing these commutes and um, often doing it on very little sleep. Uh, and got into a very, very minor fender bender on the way home, um, basically in a parking lot, <laughs> um, and, and gave a car in front of me a tiny little dink, uh, <laughs> a tiny little uh, uh, dent. Love tap, um, yeah. Love tap, I love tap. I haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, had to go through you know, the insurance. Uh, and uh, excess and whatnot, and that essentially um, meant any money that was being made from a 20-year-old Ford laser hatchback uh, going to paying that excess and paying that that, that bill. Tragic. Um, so I was more or less left with nothing. Thinking, oh goodness, Adam, how are we gonna how are we gonna do this record? Yeah. <laughs> and um, so he had it. Yeah, he had it. Re- he had it written and recorded. And you were yeah, just going to do the back end part. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It was, look, it was just a it's just a very, very uh, cheap home recording that yep. he'd done with like a tandy microphone or something. Like it was okay. super duper basic. Um, but uh, just just did the did the classic thing of of, uh, of of chipping away at your at your very bad hospitality paycheck uh, and and putting a dollar or two. Aside to eventually get enough to, to put out a CD, yeah, well, uh, and kind of went from there. So that was that was Hobbity Hoy zero zero one. There you go. Mm, yeah, that's it. And how were you? How were you finding like you being in Melbourne? How did you? How did you come across? Like, was it all about message boards uh, to discover staying at home and Adam and that kind of thing? It was MySpace for that one. Okay. Good old MySpace. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of private messaging through MySpace to through Adam. Yeah. Um, but it's funny you mentioned the whole um, thinking I was older than what I was. Yeah. Uh, comment because we uh, sorry we I flew Adam down to do a few shows on the back of the of the release in in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and shoot a video actually. Um, just calling in some favors from some friends that had some equipment. Yep. Um, nothing, nothing too flash. And he was staying at a friend's house. So I went to the friend's house to meet him and he said the exact same thing. He's like, Oh, I thought you were going to be older. You <laughs> seemed older. And yeah, I was like, definitely. Oh no, I was very, just, I was very um, self-conscious and, uh, shaken. And at this point I'm like, I'm, I'm literally 19 years old. Yeah. So, I was feeling like a baby, but he still rolled with it, pers- which is fantastic for him. Of him, yeah, yeah. To put it in perspective, though, Adam, I think is 
three or four years older than me, but but, but yeah. when when you're nineteen and someone's in their early twenties. Oh, it's a lifetime. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's absolutely. a huge gap. Yeah. So I felt it. I felt it. Yeah, understandable. So then did that did that kind of you know, not talking not to divulge too much of the, you know, financial financials of Hobbity Hoy, but like did that take off and then fund future things or it was a big learning curve or a bit of both or <laughs> no, no, it didn't it it, it 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 went slowly. Yeah. Um the yes, it was a huge learning curve. Uh for the first five releases I was pouring my own money into it. So yes, some records would do a little bit better than others, but yeah. um the uh, I was inspired by um like a lot of labels that Discord fifty fifty model yeah, yep. with, with artists. Um and when you're splitting fifty percent of nothing, yeah. <laughs> it uh it, it gets pretty bleak. Uh and that's assuming you do get to a fifty fifty point, right? So, yeah, that's right. Um so yeah, there was there was um there was uh I guess a long stretch between releases for a long time because you're working a crappy job. Um I was studying at the time as well. Um, and the records weren't necessarily bringing in much, if at any, if at all, anything. Mm. Um, so it made for a very staggered release process, um, time timetable, um, and yeah, it got to a point where I made the call to say, if I'm going to do this, it needs to be self-sustaining. Um, so when it when it falls over, it falls over, and that's that's essentially where we're at now. Do we have a do we have a song that kind of sums up that period of your life? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so music that I was listening to in the between that sort of twenty and, and twenty five year old period um, is a tricky one because, and I really struggled choosing something because there was so so much yeah. going on there. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it um, was strongly overlapping in uh, what was going on when I was about 17, 18. Okay. Um, so I've settled on, on on a band called Maritime okay. um, and, and a song called Don't Say You Don't. So Maritime um, is an offshoot of uh, Davey from a band called The Promise Ring who yep. um, most – notably I suppose um, wrote some amazing records um, also had some other quite notable members in the band as well um, but one of his big claims to fame is um, in that Jimmy at World song the praise chorus from uh, that Bleed American era yeah yep. uh, he sung backing vocals on it and uh, Jim Atkins gives him a gives him a shout out mid song Um which uh, which is kind of cool, um, but Maritime largely was uh, was under the radar. Didn't get anywhere near the same notoriety as as, as the Promise Ring did. Yeah. Um, so I guess one of the reasons why I picked them is uh, I still love Maritime. I still listen to them a lot. I listened to them an absolute ton back then. Yeah, um, it's a little bit uh, it's a lot more poppy than um, than um, the earlier stuff that we've, we've, we've gone through so far. Um, 
it would be easy for me just to give you a hot water music song or something like that yeah. from my late teens, early twenties. Yeah. Um, but since we're talking twenty twenty five, I think uh, I think Maritime's probably a bit more representative. It's a lot popular than what I thought it was going to be. There you go. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And so, sorry for for those who aren't initiated aware of Maritime. What song did he? What was the Jimmy World song he appeared on? Uh, praise uh, chorus. Praise chorus. Okay. Or, cool. Uh, uh, praise, praise chorus. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. No. Cool. Okay. I'll go check that out after yeah. this. 
Um, yeah. Which real. is an amazing song in of itself. Yeah, right? the, the whole um, album's fantastic. Yeah. Mm. It's, yeah, it was an instant classic. Yeah. Unreal. So I guess the last part of the podcast is the interesting thing because for some people, you know, from their early to, early to mid-20s to where they are now is a huge gap. For yours it's not as big. But, like, I guess tell us kind of what what you've been doing in as concise or as, you know, vague as you want to over the last couple of years. Like, tell us about the label and how that's grown and, you know, you've picked up some really cool artists along the way and it seems like it's a, you know, it seems like it's a, not that it ever wasn't a, a serious label, but, like, it seems like it's grabbed its own two legs and has, you know, you've been curating music that um, I liken it to when I was younger and would see something that had fat records on it, I'd be like, well, it must be good because it says fat records on it. Like I'm sure I feel like your label now has that same kind of appeal to it where people just see that logo and go, yep, okay, well, I trust Tom's curation of this. It must be great. So I'll just dive in head first. Thank you. That's a a huge, huge compliment. Um, And uh, it it really means a lot. Thank you, Joel. Um, Yeah, I mean, in a a way, there's a a, – there's definitely a curation aspect to running an independent label. Um, the um, the considered approach that I suppose I've taken is 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 very um, is very deliberate. Um, but that being said, um, I've made it quite a conscious effort not to be too specific and be quite genre agnostic. What yeah. what that actually results though in is not know huge um disparity between bands they they can or artists they 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 can loosely get um looped together in i guess a few different spaces or circles and 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 that's fine but um uh i'm I'm quite conscious of the fact that uh i just don't want it to i just don't want every record to sound like uh the one that we did previous or uh or or of a particular genre or era yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah, the um, we were talking earlier about had I played an instrument. Uh, one of the instruments that I really wish I gave a good go at, and I never really did, was piano. Just the richness and the diversity of of that instrument um, is is for me becoming more and more. Um, I guess the, 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 an appreciation of that is, is 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 coming through stronger and stronger as I as I listen to more music. Yeah. Um, and so I've got a bit of a love affair with um, when when an artist can employ piano in a in a in a, in a meaningful, uh, beautiful way. Um, there are quite a lot of records in our in our catalogue, some of which you wouldn't. Um, maybe directly associate with piano that have a have a, a a good piano element to it. If you listen carefully, maybe not throughout everything, um, but uh, but certainly on one track or two. Uh, and then there are a few artists that uh, are essentially pianists that um, do a whole bunch of stuff around the piano. But piano is 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 central to what they do. Yeah. Um, one of those artists is uh, a woman called Sophie Hutchins. Um, who has been writing and making piano.
piano music since she was a teenager. Okay. Um, having, I guess, not really learnt in a traditional sense how to play, um, but um, but still knows what she's doing uh, and um, is self-taught, I suppose, is a much better way to, to describe it. Um, yeah. But I guess the reason why I explained it that way was that she has a very unique approach to how she plays and how she writes. Yeah. Um, and that was really appealing in terms of being able to work with, with someone who has that, that kind of vision um, but is still able to, to write a great song with pop elements and, and, a, and a strong experimental aspect as well. Um, in recent years, uh, we've done fairly well um, with the artist roster who um, who kind of exist in that that space. Yeah. Um, we, we 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 picked up. Um, we started working with some artists that um, that went on to do really great things and and um, and got a level of exposure well beyond um, what 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 we could we could facilitate. Um, Sophie's one of one of those artists and we are just really really proud of, of, of what what she's done um, the track I've chosen uh, is, is is by Sophie Hutchins yep. it's called living light uh, from a record called white asleep um, <laughs> there's a there's so many stories uh, about this one that's probably too long for for a podcast that's already gone on for a very long time. No, that's all good. Um, all the time of the world. But uh, I guess Sophie and I, um, we only did two records together on 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 the on the Hobble label. Um, this being one of them, they're both, in my opinion, absolute classics. Um, but this particular record, um, White Asleep, um, I feel like is one of those very underappreciated records in, in her catalogue um, and I'm really proud to have played a part in it. Her, her approach to songwriting, as I was kind of alluding to before, um, I think has a very unique perspective that uh, for a genre that can be very formulaic and very yeah very boring and prescribed. Um, do you think so it's be, do you uh, think it's one of those those things where because she doesn't know because she wasn't taught the rules, she doesn't feel like the rules apply when it comes to songwriting? Does that make sense? Like potentially, yeah. um, I, I think uh, I think that might be part of it. Um, I think I think the bigger part of it is that she's just got a very strong vision in terms of what okay. she wants to capture yeah. in terms of um, not necessarily how it sounds but the, the emotion in which uh, the listener could could feel. Um, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a real dreamlike quality to a lot of her work. So like weird little connection then, um, mm. Sophie, Sophie's brother's Jamie – Correct. And yeah. he played in Sydney alternate, you know, band uh, Blue Bottle Kiss and was tour- is really good friends with a guest that I've had in an earlier episode, Mark Muldry. 
So they kind of grew up. Yeah, grew up in circles together. So like she obviously comes from a heavily heavily musical background anyhow, but you know, it's taken on her own thing and Correct. So her dad's quite a notable jazz musician. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jamie's obviously um very well renowned, particularly in Europe in terms of uh yeah. his, his indie pop pedigree. Yeah. Um and Sophie has somewhat lived in the shadow of both of those. Yeah. Um she would she would play piano in her room or sorry, it would play piano uh with the door shut. Uh, late at night when no one could hear, feeling quite self self conscious about wow. her music. Um, but um, I think it's kind of resulted in this really beautiful, um, unique take on 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 the genre, if you can call it that. Um, but I'm glad that you brought up Jamie because the way in which I was led to Sophie was from my love of. Blue Bottle Kiss. There you go. Yeah, right. <laughs> and when when uh, when I when I found out that his sister was doing this kind of music, I was just really taken back by it. Um, the there was there was a moment where um, I was probably uh, we're sort of backtracking a bit here. That's all good. Um, where when I was a teenager. Uh, in the thick of the AFI, yeah, <laughs> the, <drive-in. laughs> the devil lock haircut, um, yeah, yeah. When I was watching a lot of movies and had a friend who was very um, into um, very exploratory genres of film um, and seeing seeing some great great things um, and being very musically geared at the time, being a very musically focused teenager, um, what really won me over was a lot of the soundtracks that I was hearing and they weren't necessarily um, a particular famous or, or notable track Yeah. Um, that was like, uh, like I remember uh, you were talking about the Danny Warhols before they were, they were used in, in a lot of soundtracks for a really long time, quite heavily. And, and, yeah. and there's always those, those, those bands that um, of a particular time get, get used a lot and are representative of that time. But what was particularly uh, captivating for me was some of the, some of the instrumental tracks that weren't, they were probably commissioned solely for the film. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but sometimes I was hearing these and going, wow, like I want to listen to this. <laughs> um, where can I get, where can I get, this like the, the the scene when uh the the gentleman's running through the street and there's this beautiful piano that's playing and um like look it was probably it probably seems better than than what it was because of the visual element that was that was going on in front of me but um yeah. i kept having this moment where i was thinking wow the the the, the soundtrack of what's going on here is is really making or breaking what what um what this film What's making this film really great? Yeah, okay. Um, why is there not a stronger focus musically in terms of um, being able to listen to something like this outside of a film environment, which kind of led me down a bit of a rabbit hole to um, hearing a lot of the, and I hate this term, but um, the sort of more modern classical, neoclassical artists that um, our artists are sometimes lumped into. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. yeah, that um, yeah that it's one of those things that if you're not finally tuned into it, 
then you can see, you know, as you mentioned, like a, a scene where a guy's running down the road with music behind it and people don't realise how effective that piece of music is. They think mm, it's, you know, and, yeah. and might assume that that's, that's just something that kind of needs to be put in there and the wonderfulness of it is the scene where it's like, no, no, the music is the, music is the thing that's elevated you and captivated you into watching for the most part, you know, it could be keep on watching or being so enthralled by that scene. So, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I think it, it plays just as strong, if not a stronger part. Of yeah. course I'm going to say that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's um, right. To yeah. the visual aspect, yeah. Yeah. No, that's unreal. Yeah, so so the, the track, uh, Sophie Hutchins, Living Light, um, it's, um, it's a long one. <laughs> See, now that's why it's growing um, to end it. That's unreal. But, uh, yeah, a good, a good closer. Um, and I guess the other thing that I should – uh, I want to make point of with, please, with Sophie is uh, please do in in that very constricted and formulaic genre. Uh, she's not afa- afraid to um, use vocal in in in, in her work, um, and it's it's not necessarily um, lyrical. Uh, it just might be uh, vocal tones, or it might be some some, some sounds um, that. Uh, audible um noises that um when you kind of do a deep dive you go hang on a minute that's 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 her voice which um again at the time particularly uh when this uh when this record first came out in 2016 yeah um was a bit of a no-go for the genre uh and still kind of is to be honest um the uh the, the, the cliche being like the Spotify piano playlist that people play in the uh, the psychiatrist office, or, yeah, right, <laughs> or yeah, like um, so um, really trying to get away from that, but at the same time, um, it's still a really really beautiful um, track. Awesome. Before we go, before we check it out, um, first of all, thank you for spending the time with me and having the chat. I really really appreciate it. Um, is there anything you want to plug before kind of we we wrap it up? Uh, yeah, so um, we've just put out a, a record from uh, a UK band called Codes in the Clouds, which um, are a really fascinating instrumental band that um, are doing some really great things and and have some really exciting music coming coming up, uh, hopefully next year as well. But um, but their third album's out now. Um, We've just released uh, a couple of months ago a record by uh, originally from Adelaide, then living in Brisbane, now back in Adelaide, <laughs> uh, artist called Case Kaya, uh, yep. which we've done a really limited um, short run of vinyl for us as well, um, which um, I will just touch on briefly. Please do. Um, she's self-produced uh, and largely self-recorded. Uh, the record herself, uh, and did so at, at 22 years of age, which is just insane to me. Yeah. Um, given the quality of, 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 of all of it, the songwriting, the recording, and, and, and just her approach to, to writing music. Um, and I, I, I just have a feeling that I think a lot of people are going to be remiss for, for not picking up that first pressing at yeah, some right. point. <laughs> so, See it on um, Discogs at yeah. seven times the price coming soon. Not not yet, but yeah, yeah. yeah soon um, enough. Yeah. 
So um, and yeah, look, we've got uh, we've got a couple of uh, other records coming up very very shortly, um, which I won't mention specifically, but from some um, from some local guys in the in the Australian and girls in the Australian scene that awesome. um, I don't think are getting anywhere near the level of notoriety that they deserve, and and frankly, may never will. But yeah. um, we're gonna we're gonna do the record anyway. Fantastic. Tom, thank you very much. I hope you had fun. Thank you, I appreciate it. Cool. I did. I did. I hope you did too. Mate, I always have a blast.
Thank you very much for checking this out. What a jam! What a that uh, Sophie Hutchins. That's that was wild. Um, yeah, mypodcast.com. Check me out. Check it out. Sorry, not me. Check it out on the socials: uh, Instagram, mypodcast, Facebook, mypodcast. Da 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 da. Uh, if you like it, send me a buck. My age, uh, sorry, PayPal.me slash mypodcast. If you want to subscribe, Patreon.com slash mypodcast. Um, next week. It's a fucking bang up. I mean, they're all bangers, but this is my... I'm only going to call it season finale because it's my last interview of the year, but I don't view these as interviews. Uh, yeah, next week's episode... Sorry, the last episode of November will be, you know, what basically accumulates as a as season finale. Um, it's been someone who... Yeah. Yeah. I don't, look, I won't even go into it. I'll just leave you in suspense. How's that sound? Cool. Take care. Stem rose. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that you love me, baby. Everybody knows that you really do. Everybody knows that you've been faithful. I give or take a night or two. Everybody knows. Discreet, but there were so many people you just had to meet without your clothes. And everybody knows. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. That's how it
you've been through From the bloody cross on top of Calvary To the beach of Malibu Everybody knows it's coming upon Take one last look at this sacred heart Before it blows And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows Oh